Good morning, Lakeview Church. It is so good to be with you and just want to add my welcome to the welcome that Pastor Jared gave a few minutes ago and just say we're so glad that you're here. Whether this is your first time here or your thousandth time here, we are so very glad that you're here and uh, we just want to welcome you. So thanks for being here. I want to look right in that camera as I do every week and welcome those who are joining us online. Whether you're watching this live in this moment or on demand sometime later, we're glad that you're here and we just want you to know that we welcome you into this service and we're glad that you're joining us today. Lakeview Church, can we welcome those who are joining us online today? Now, we're very fortunate today not just to have you in the room, but we have some very special guests that traveled from around the globe to be here today, and we're so glad that they're here, and we just want to take some opportunity to welcome them. Uh, We have some very special guests who are sitting right here, Bill and Lydia Allshouse. Would you stand, please? Uh, This is Bill and Lydia Allshouse. They are missionaries with World Gospel Mission. And Pastor Jessica, is uh, she's going to be bringing you a little gift that we have for you. We have a gift that was uh, handmade for you by one of the members of our congregation, and we would love for you to put that in a place where you'll see it regularly, and when you do, say a prayer for us and know that we are praying for you on a regular basis, and we're so glad that you're here with us today. And as thankful as we are that the Alls Houses are here, they brought even more special guests with them, uh, and we want to welcome them. So Pastor Tony and Lucy, would you stand? Uh, This is Pastor Tony and Lucy. They are from the church in Irapuato, Mexico, the church that we are partnered with, and we get to have an opportunity to be invested in that congregation there, and we have a gift for you as well, and we'd love for you to put that gift somewhere where you'll see it, and when you do, pray for us, and please know that we are praying for you, that God would bless you and use you in Irapuato to expand the kingdom of God and make a difference there, so thank you so much for being here with us today. And then we have one more guest, and I'm scanning the crowd. We're there he is. Benson Gabule from Zambia is here with us today. And we are so honored to have him. Benson is actually the dean of the uh, Bible College in Jembo. And uh, he is here visiting because tomorrow morning he starts his Doctor of Ministry degree at Wesley Seminary. So pray for him. Pray for him. He's going back to school tomorrow. And uh, he's advancing uh, his education and uh, has such a significant role to play in the lives of people who are training for ministry in Zambia. And as you know, we are partnered with the Africa Wesleyan University College, which is still in the formative stages. And we anticipate that uh, Benson and the role that he's been playing in Zambia training ministers will have input and investment in that university. And we're so honored to have him with us today. Benson and I got to sit next to each other in a car riding to Chapaboma, which is, uh, they say it's a road. I question whether it's a road. Um, it, it was pretty rough, pretty rocky. There were some places where it looked like if we fell in that hole, we might not get out, and, uh, but we made it. And my body was sore at the end of that ride, and uh, we had a great time getting to talk and getting to know each other, and we are so glad that you're here, sir, and that gift that we have given to you, we'd love for you to put that in a place where you'll see it regularly, and when you do, pray for us and know that we're praying for you, sir. We're so glad that you're here, and I'd like to ask our special guests, if you would, just to stand one more time, because we want to say a prayer over you right now, so Pastor Tony and Lucy, if you'd stand, and Bill and Lydia, and then for those of you who are near them, if you feel 
feel comfortable doing this, it just maybe put a hand on their shoulder. And then for those of you who aren't close enough, if you could just stretch out your hands, I'd love for us just to pray together this morning a prayer of blessing over our friends. God, we are so very grateful for your presence here with us in this place. Thank you, God, for being in the midst of your people when we gather to worship you. And God, thank you for our friends, our brothers and sisters who have traveled to be with us here this morning. God, as we stretch our hands towards them, lay our hands on their shoulders, God, right now, we are praying for your blessing, your favor, your anointing to rest upon their lives. God, we pray this morning for Benson as he begins a new educational journey tomorrow morning. Would you give him the strength and the wisdom and the energy to do what needs to be done to expand his capacity for your kingdom and for your cause? And everything that he learns, would you help him to turn that into an investment into the lives of men and women who are preparing for ministry in Zambia? And would you use him to expand your kingdom not just in Zambia, but throughout the continent of Africa and even beyond as you see fit to do so. Bless him today. Let your presence rest on him. Expand his territory and his influence and protect him from all the schemes of the enemy, we pray. And we lift him to you this morning. And we pray now for Pastor Tony and Lucy. We thank you for their lives and their leadership in a local church in Irapuato. And we pray for them today. God, because we know that when leaders get elevated in, into leadership in a local church, they become a target for the enemy. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. So we pray for them today that you would put a hedge of protection around them, that you would guard their hearts and their minds, guard their lives, their marriage, their family, their home, protect them from everything the enemy would do to come against them. And may they remain set on on you and focused on all that you have for them. And God, would you anoint them by your spirit to carry out the work that you have given them to do? Would you use them to make disciples, transform their community, and multiply the church from Irapuato to the ends of the earth? And God, I ask you to anoint them and bless them today in a special way. And then, God, I pray for Bill and Liddy. I thank you for this dear couple and the investment that they have made in the kingdom of God over the years. God, would you bless and anoint them in this season of their life. Continue to use them to build your kingdom and expand your cause around the globe. God, I pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment and energy and strength that comes from your spirit and your power. And I pray, God, that you would use them in a powerful way. And God, for all all of our brothers and sisters who are here today visiting, we're asking God your favor, your blessing, your touch upon their lives. May you get all the glory and all the honor for what you accomplish in and through them and for all that you do, God. We will give you the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, amen. Lakeview Church, can we give them one more round of applause to welcome them and thank them for being here with us today. 
Now, you watched the video just a few moments ago, and, and that video really is our attempt to just remind you that, that part of the discipleship journey is becoming a generous person. We say it all the time here that we're an everyday church for everyday people, and we're striving to help people follow Jesus, live generously, and make a difference. And we believe that as we invite people in to following Jesus, that one of the things that begins to happen as we give our lives to him is our lives begin to open up, that we stop living selfishly and we begin to live generously. We actually begin to realize that our life is not just about us. It's actually about him and his cause and his kingdom and our lives open up and we begin to give generously of our time, our talents and our treasure. Last week, we handed out these guidebooks. If you didn't get one, we have guidebooks for you. They're, they're in the back, and you can pick them up. Or if you'd like to have one in your hand right now, just raise your hand, and we will get one to you, because we'd love for you to have one of these if you don't have it. So anybody need one? If you do, just raise your hand. Are we good? We got one over here. Anybody else? We got, we got one down here, and then one back there in the back row. Yep. Anybody else? We got one right here. Jessica right here. We just want to make sure everybody's got one of these. And if you have yours, I would encourage you just to turn to pages 34 and 35 real quick. I just want to point this out to you because one of the things that we have been committed to as we've been putting the GO initiative together is to recognize that the GO initiative is a tool to help us in our discipleship journey. We do have goals and aims for this initiative for our church, and we believe that those goals and those aims are important, but, but the most important goal of the GO initiative is to help us grow in our discipleship journey. I said it last week, and you'll hear me say it again, that the GO initiative is more about discipleship than it is about donations, we will, we'll talk about money, we'll talk about giving, all of those things are true, but, but it is about helping us grow to become everything God wants us to be. And inside of the guidebooks, we actually put together what we call the generosity journey. And it's just really a description of different stages that a person might be in in their generosity journey. And I would encourage you at some point this week just to take some time, maybe in, in a devotional time, to read through these descriptions and then just ask the Lord, Lord, where am I at? on this journey, and here's the most important question, is there a next step that you are leading me to take to become more generous? The reason we want to become generous people is because God himself is generous, and we want to become like him. And we're committed to that as a church. And so we want to encourage you to prayerfully just ask God, where am I at on this journey, and what do you have next for me? Now, if you've got these books, you can turn to page 22 where you can take some notes because I know you all want to take notes for this message today. So page 22, there's a space there if you'd like to take notes and we'd encourage you to do that. Now, we're going to be in Joshua chapter one this morning and we're going to look at the first 11 verses. So if you have a Bible, we would encourage you to turn there. If you don't, you can uh, look at the screen. We'll have the words on the screen for you. And then if you don't have a Bible and you would like to have one, all you need to do is visit our welcome center right out in the lobby and ask for a Bible. We would be happy to put one in your hands completely free of charge. We would love to equip you that way. So if you don't have a Bible, make sure you ask for one after the service and we'll make sure to put one 
in your hands. As I've been working on this series, and I've been working on this series for several months now, uh, I've really went back and kind of read through the entire story of God's people from the beginning of the Bible all the way up to the passages we're studying in this series. And, and as I did that, I, I was just reminded of, of how long the journey of God's people has been to get them to Joshua chapter 1. You go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12 where God calls out to this guy named Abram and he says, Abram, I want you to leave the land that you've always known, the land of your family, the land of your father, and I want you to go to a place where I will lead you. God doesn't even tell him where he's taking him. He just says, I want you to go and when you get there, I'll tell you you're there. When I was a, a teenager in youth group, we used to do these things called destination unknowns. You just get in the church van and ride somewhere, and you didn't know where you were going until you got there, and then the youth leader said, we're here. I don't know if they planned where we were going or if they were just driving around to kill time. I don't know, but it was a destination unknown. That's what God did with Abram. He just said, I need you to leave where you are, what you know, what's familiar, and go somewhere else. And Abram believes God, and God credits it to him as righteousness. Abraham just follows wherever God is leading him. And, and you may or may not remember the story, but, but God promised Abram that he was going to have a son. And then, like 25 years later, he still doesn't have a son. And he's tried different ways to get a son, but it's not working. God says, no, I'm going to actually give you and your wife a child. And, and when they turn 100, they have their child. So some of you think you're done being parents. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I'm just saying, it's, it's possible. God can do anything, okay? So Abram and Sarah, they have a child when they're 100, and his name is Isaac. And, and, and as you read the story, you see Isaac has Jacob, and Jacob's name eventually becomes Israel. Israel, Jacob, has 12 sons, and they become the 12 tribes of Israel, now, you remember when Jacob had 12 sons, the youngest, you remember his name? Joseph. Joseph was the favorite son because he was born to Jacob in his old age, and Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children, and that did not make the other 11 very happy. Remember, they, they, they kind of had some hatred towards Joseph. In fact, so much so that they decided that they were actually going to fake Joseph's death, and they sold him into slavery. Joseph ends up in a faraway land in Egypt in, in the house of a captain of the guard where he serves faithfully until he gets elevated to being in charge of the entire household. He gets falsely accused of, of trying to seduce his master's wife, which he did not do, but he was accused of that. He gets thrown in prison where he rises through the ranks of the prison, becomes uh, the right-hand person to the warden, begins to administrate over the prison, and eventually he gets delivered out of prison because he has the skill of interpreting dreams. 
and he interprets a dream for Pharaoh and Pharaoh invites him into his palace and over time Joseph gets elevated in the nation of Egypt and he's in charge now of administering the entire nation of Egypt. And they go through seven years of plenty. There's, there's all kinds of wonderful harvest and Joseph has a plan to stockpile everything that's being brought in because the dream that Pharaoh had said that there was gonna be seven years of famine. So he stockpiles all of the harvest. He stores it up so that they can make it through. And there's so much food that it's enough for Egypt and enough for the surrounding nations. You remember Jacob and his 11 other boys are back in their land, but the famine has struck where they live and they don't have enough food to survive, but they hear that Egypt has food. So Jacob sends his sons and eventually the entire family lands in Egypt and they're standing in front of someone that they know, they just don't realize they know him. And Joseph finally says, I am the brother that you sold into slavery. And they're upset, worried. They think they're going to get it now. And Joseph says, no, no, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. You, you were trying to do something to harm me, but God was positioning me to put me right here so that when you needed it, you could find your salvation. They get the food they need, the entire family and all of their household gets moved to Egypt. Joseph makes it possible for his family to have land inside of Egypt that they can set up their lives in and they do that and God blesses the nation of Israel and they grow and they multiply inside of Egypt. And we often forget this about Egypt. Because we know the story when they, they need to be delivered from Egypt. But before Egypt was their captivity, Egypt was their salvation. God led them to Egypt to provide for their needs and to take care of them. It was a blessing for them to be there. It was part of God's plan and God's purpose, which brings me to the first lesson that I've been learning over these last few months as I reflect on this story, that when you look to the past, you can see the faithfulness of God. You can do it when you read the story of Israel. You can see how God works from Abram to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to Egypt to Moses, you can see the faithfulness of God. God is always guiding his people, always leading them faithfully forward. This is who God is. This is what God does. You can look back and see the faithfulness of God. And when, when you watch the story unfold, Joseph eventually passes away. And I love the way that Joseph's uh, passing is recorded in the scriptures because Joseph is getting ready to die and he calls people to his bedside. And on his deathbed, he says, hey guys, I'm gonna die soon. But I need you to promise me one thing. I need you to promise me that when you leave Egypt, you'll take my bones with you. I love the way Joseph dies because when Joseph dies, he's looking to the future. 
He knows God positioned him in Egypt for such a time as this. And God used Egypt to provide and care for and bless the people of Israel. But Joseph also knows that while Egypt has been the blessing of God, it is not the final destination of God's people. That there's a future in front of them. That there's a land that God has promised. And and Joseph is saying, hey guys, it's been great here. I think God led me here. I think God took care of us through all of this. But guys, there's a future. And I know that I can't go there. I'm going to die before that ever happens. But will you just promise me you'll take my bones? Because I want to go with you when you go into the future that God has for you. And, and it, it's here that I think we learn a second lesson, that, that as God is leading us, God may lead us to certain places along the way, but that place where God has led us, while he has led us there, that may not be the final destination that he has for us. We, he might be taking us on a journey where it's important for us to recognize he brought us here, he blessed us, he poured out his spirit, he did great things in that moment and in that season, but what if God has more that he wants to do in the future? And if we try to stay where he has placed us now, we might miss out on what he has for us out here in the future. I mean, Egypt was great for the people of God under Joseph's leadership, but after Joseph died, Egypt became a place of captivity. It was holding them back from being the people that God wanted them to be. And as they're crying out to God, God hears their cries and he recognizes, yes, I have a future for you. I'm gonna invite you into that. And that's when he raises up Moses and says, Moses, go and deliver my people. And Moses goes and and he stands in front of Pharaoh, 10 plagues, right? You've seen it. Charlton Heston did such a great job. Right? You've seen the movie and and you recognize he, he has to go through all of these plagues. Pharaoh is a fickle leader. He says, okay, you can go. Just kidding. Come back. You can't go. Over and over and over again, he keeps changing his mind. And then finally, after the 10th plague, he says, you can go. He's going to change his mind again, but they get out of Egypt first. And now he's got to chase them. And they get out, out of Egypt. And now they're between Egypt and the Red Sea. And they're stuck because Pharaoh's army is chasing them. And they don't know how to get out of that. And God makes a way where there seems to be no way. They pass through on dry ground. And now they're in the wilderness and they're headed towards the promised land. God wipes out Pharaoh's army and protects his people. He's leading them step by step, moment by moment into the promised land that he has for them. But the wilderness isn't easy. Right? There are hardships. They they don't have food to eat. And they complain about that. If you read the Old Testament, it kind of gets on your nerves a little bit when you're reading the people of Israel. You're like, you just got delivered miraculously. God's taking you into the promised land that he has for you. And they're saying, could we get some better food around here? And you're like, could you just be grateful? Like you just got delivered. You just got set free. You're going into the future that God has for you. And then at one point, they're so frustrated with God because he's not doing what they want him to do when they want him to do it, that they actually say, can we just go back to Egypt? 
They actually say to God, we had it better back there. And, and as soon as I start to become critical of the people of God in the Old Testament, God finds a way to say, uh, that's you. Because it's part of our human nature. When we face hardship and challenge and difficulty, trying to move into the future that God has for us, there's something about our human nature and particularly North American human nature to avoid any kind of difficulty, any kind of hardship and run away from it. So if going into the future God has for us is hard, then we should go back where we came from, where it is more comfortable, more familiar, perhaps a little bit easier. And this brings me to another lesson, that, that just because God is leading you doesn't mean it will be easy. I think sometimes we get an idea in our mind that if God is leading us, the road before us will be easy, that it will all be just smooth and wonderful and a piece of cake. And in reality, I don't think that God ever promises that to us. In fact, Jesus himself says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have difficulty. That's what's in front of you. Just because God is leading you doesn't mean it will be easy. The people of God continue forward, though, and they make it all the way to the promised land. And they make it there in just a few short weeks. This is not 40 years of wandering yet. They get where they're going, and it's time to go in. And Moses selects 12 spies, and he sends them into the land. And as they, as they go into the land and they look around, they say, man, these people are big. They're giants. And the walls around some of those cities are so tall and so massive. How will we ever get in there? And the armies of these lands are so domineering, so powerful, so strong. There is no way we will be able to conquer this land. And so they begin to look at what is true inside the land that God is giving them. The spies come back and report. Ten of the spies say, we're never going to be able to do this. This is not going to be possible. There are two spies who have faith, right? They say, yeah, yeah, we can do this, we can do this. But the people of God decide to go with the 10 spies who say it's impossible. And I, I pointed this out last week that the 10 spies, they got their eyes on the challenge. And by doing that, they took their eyes off of their God. They forgot how big God is and their challenges kept growing as a result. But the other two spies, they kept their eyes on God. Didn't eliminate the challenges. The challenges were still there. They're still real. But because they were looking at God, the challenges seemed a little bit more reasonable because their God is so big. And that's the difference between the 10 versus the two. But the people decide not to go into the land and God forces them to wander around in circles for 40 years. And if they thought it was hard before, it's really hard now. Because they got to live for 40 years in the wilderness and there's difficulty and they get tired of eating manna. Like, is there anything else we could eat? And God says, how about some quail? I'm going to give you more quail than you've ever wanted in your life. I just, I feel like God is being a parent in that moment. Like, he's like, okay, you, you, you're, you're done with manna. Okay, here's some quail. 
and you're going to have quail until you don't want quail no more. And he just pours out quail, and they literally cannot stand it. And then they're like, okay, now back to manna, right? And, and that's when a, a parent moment, when you're like, I won. Come on, parents. You know, you know those moments. There are moments when you don't think you're going to win with your kids. And then when you do, it's like, yes. <laughs> you can't let them see that, but you, you can go in your bedroom and, yes, I got them right? I feel like that's what God does with his people in this, in this story. And they wander around in the wilderness and it's hard and it's difficult and it's challenging. And there are actually moments when they are asking God to take them back to Egypt. And there are moments when they literally say, the only reason God delivered us is because he hated us. They actually say that. It's the only reason God delivered us, so he could bring us out here and kill us because he doesn't even love us, which isn't true at all. But this, this points out, I think, a really important lesson that even when God is leading you into the future that he has for you, the pull of the past is strong. And some of you know exactly what that's like because God's delivered you from something and you want to serve God, you want to love God, you want to live for God, but there's a past back there that keeps pulling you back into it, keep asking you to return. And, and, and there are moments when you want to go back to it. And I'm going to tell you right now, the way to go with God is to keep going forward with him. Don't go back to what he delivered you from. Keep pushing forward. That's why you have a church body so that when the pull of the past is strong, you can lean on your brothers and sisters and we can pull you into the future that God has for you because what God wants to do in your life is not behind you. It is in front of you. I promise you that. God leads his people through the wilderness for 40 years, brings them right back to the doorstep, right back to the doorstep. And and, and I think there's maybe just one more lesson that I would point out before we get to Joshua chapter one. Some of you didn't think I was going to get there. We're there. Just take a deep breath. It's going to be fine. I got you. We're going to walk through Joshua one in just a moment here. But there's one more lesson I think you see. That if you focus on all of the challenges and all of the obstacles and all of the hardships that moving forward entails. And there's always challenges, always hardships, always trials. Anything worth having includes those things. It's just the way it is. But if you focus on those challenges, if you focus on those obstacles, all the things in front of you that would keep you from going into what God has for you, you will miss the future that God has for you. And you see that in the people of God. There was a whole generation that missed the promised land. They were right on the doorstep. They were ready to go in, but they didn't have the faith and the courage to take the step that God had commanded them to take. And they had to wander around in the wilderness until that generation was gone so a new generation could take hold of that that God had planned for his people. You can focus on those challenges and those obstacles and those trials. And if you do, you will miss the future that God has for you. But if you'll keep your eyes set on God, you can go into everything that God has for you. And that's what I want for every single one of us, that we would move into the future that God has for us. So I want to read Joshua chapter 1, 
verses one through 11, because this is where we find ourselves in the story. After 40 years of wandering, they're right back at the doorstep to the promised land once again, and this is what it says, beginning in verse one. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you'll be successful in everything that you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Can you pick up on a theme here? This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River and you will take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. When we read this passage of scripture, I think we learn something about God. Because God brought his people here 40 years earlier and they were unwilling to go forward. And so God has them wander around for 40 years and then he brings them right back. And, and I think one of the things we learn about God is that God is relentless in his desire to have his people pursue the future that he has for them. He's relentless. He, he wants them to enter into it more than anything else. He has given them this land. This is the land that he has promised them. And he's saying, guys, this is what I have for you. I've already given this to you. I've already set this aside for you. Just enter into what I have for you. And, and they missed it the first time, but God's not done. God brings them back around and says, now go in. And Joshua's ready to lead the people in to the promised land. And the people are ready to go. They've learned their lesson. We might say it this way, that God is focused on the future. Again, there are things that are behind us that, that, that are maybe good things, things that God did, ways that God led, ways that God provided. Celebrate those. There's nothing wrong with remembering and celebrating and being thankful. When you look back, you can see the faithfulness of God. But my, my whole theory is that the past was good while it lasted. It's over now. And we can remember it, and we can celebrate it, and we can be thankful for it, and we should. We should be. We should give God all the praise for the way he has worked. But we can never go back there. It's over. 
So we've got to keep moving forward into what God has for us next because if we spend all of our time looking back and saying if we could just get back there the way it used to be, we will miss what God has for us to do right here and right now. And while we're thinking back to the way God worked back there, we will miss an opportunity to see firsthand in this moment, in this generation, what God wants to do through us right now. And there is one thing that I have become convinced of in the three years that I have been privileged to be your pastor. God is not done with Lakeview Church. He has been faithful, but his faithfulness is to bring us right here to this moment. I'm not discrediting anything that's happened before, but we are here because God has been faithful. And God has been faithful because he is focused on the future. God's been faithful to bring us right here because of what's next. Otherwise, if he was done with us, he would have just brought it to an end. But we're here. We're still breathing. That means we got stuff to do. And if we do what God's asking us to do next, we'll get to see him show up once again. And then someday, when I'm old, I'll be saying, remember back there? That's the way God works. It's always a journey, and he's always focused on moving his people forward into the future because God is not a God of yesterday. He is always a God of today. He's always working right here, right now. And I know you see a lot of stuff in the world that doesn't look like God's working, but I'm gonna tell you right now that while all of that stuff is happening, God is at work. God is at work. Lives are being changed. Souls are being saved. Marriages are being healed and restored. Families are being put back together. Addicts are being set free from what has held them captive. God's at work, and he is not done working. He's focused on the future. This brings me to the important lesson for our church today, and here's the important lesson. As we think about where we are as a church, our focus right now in this season will determine our future. We can be like the people of God the first time they came to the promised land and we can think about the past and say, man, it was so much easier back in Egypt, which it wasn't, but that's what they thought. And they were were being pulled by their past to say, let's just go back to what's comfortable, what's familiar, what's easy, what we're used to. Even though just on the other side of this flooded river is the promised land. Right? They focused on the past and and they also focused on all the challenges. Those people are big. Those walls are so tall. Those armies are so powerful. We don't have a chance in the world. Let's just go back. And their focus determined what happened next. They had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. But when Joshua gets here the second time, the people of God, they are focused on moving into the promised land. The walls are still tall. The armies are still powerful. The people are still big. All the challenges are the same. And there's a flooded river in front of them. How in the world are they going to get into the promised land? All of those things are true, but God. 
God's telling him, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Go forward into the land that I'm giving you. Go forward into the future that I have for you. And that's what I want to say to us as a church today. We've been walking through a season of preparation over these last couple of years, and God's been working. People have come to faith. Our church has been growing. People have been enfolded into the life of this wonderful church. You've been so welcoming, so inviting. And people, one of the things people tell me who are new to our church, this is a loving, friendly church. It feels like home. I feel like I belong here. Thank you, Lakeview Church. You do that. When you smile, when you greet, when you welcome, you are inviting people into our church and they're finding a place where they can discover who Jesus is and what Jesus has for their life and they're getting enfolded into the life of this church and their lives are being changed. God's at work. We've been walking through this season of preparation and it's coming to an end and it's time for us to go forward into what's next and we introduced this last week and I'm not gonna go through all the details of the GO initiative. Again, you've got those guidebooks and everything's included in there. But last week, we introduced the GO initiative. The GO initiative, in summary, is our effort to invest $2.25 million in generosity over the next two years to fund present ongoing ministry, reduce our past debt, and fund future vision for our church. And we unpacked three different parts of that last week. And again, I'm not going into all the details. Last week, I told you what. And if you missed that, you can go back and watch the message. But today, I want to just tell you why. Why are we doing this? Why would we ask the church to fund $1.45 million of the 2.25 total goal to fund present ongoing ministry? I'll tell you why. Because God has called our church to help as many people as possible follow Jesus, live generously, and make a difference in our community. And God has been working in our church. Just over the last year, 44 people have made first-time commitments to Jesus Christ. Just in the last six or eight weeks alone, we've had almost 10 people make commitments to Christ just in morning services. God's at work. And we want more and more and more of that to happen. And you look around this room, and, and there are more seats full today than there were a year ago. But there are still empty seats and I want all of them to be full. That would have been a great place amen. for an amen. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get some people up here with cue cards. <laughs> I want these seats to be full, not because I wanna say, look at how big Lakeview Church is, but because I believe God wants to use us as a mission force to transform Marion and Grant County. And the more people that are part of this church, the more impact we can have for the kingdom of God and the more influence he can distribute to our community through us for his good and his glory. Amen? Amen. That's why we're including present ongoing ministry. And then you think about reducing our past debt. We've had debt over the last 15 years as a church, and it's bounced up and down different amounts. We've had different projects and things that we've done along the way. And just a couple of years ago, our debt was at 1.5 million. We've been paying faithfully on that. It's down to about 1.3 million today. And we're faithfully gonna keep paying on that and reducing it down. But, but the GO initiative says, what if we could have another $450,000 that goes directly on the principal 
to reduce that debt. And if we do that, two years from now, that 1.3 will be cut in half or better. And, and some would say, why would we do that? Well, right now we're running a race and we've got a backpack that we're carrying that's full of rocks. And if we could get rid of some of those rocks, the running would be easier. We'd have more to invest in all that God is asking us to do here and around the world. And that's why we are moving our church towards financial freedom, where debt is no longer a strategy to keep our church functioning, where, where the resources of God are, are enough and sufficient so that our debt is gone. Amen. Amen. We are financially free and every penny that we possibly can, we are directing to the mission of God here and around the world. That's why we want to get rid of that debt. And again, the balance is 1.3. So if you want to write a check, just give it to me after service. We'll get rid of the debt and then we can move on with the other stuff. I'm kidding, unless you want to write that check and then I'm not kidding at all, okay? So... Um, <laughs> Listen, I want that debt gone. When I pray for our church, the picture I see of our church in the future is a church that no longer has that weight on our back. I want it to be gone in Jesus' name. And God is able to do that. And I pray that he will speak to us and call the very best generosity out of us as a congregation so we can get rid of that backpack with rocks and move forward into everything he has for us. Last part of the GO initiative are these four vision projects. I'm not gonna talk about each one of them, but we've got a partnership with Africa Wesleyan University College helping that physical campus be established seeing our ministry development program for practicum students, ministry interns, and resident pastors being launched, increasing our local benevolence and, and partnership with local organizations that are already doing great work in our community, and doing some updates to our sanctuary to continue to make this a space where people feel welcome and at home. And you say, why would we do that? Because when we prayerfully met together Two or three years ago, we went through a process over several months and we prayed and we talked and we discerned where God was leading us and God gave us a vision. He didn't say it was a vision for 40 years from now. He said it's a vision for right now and we're responsible to move that forward and God has called us to make disciples, transform our community and multiply the church from here to everywhere and that's what we are called to do. Our focus from where we stand right now determines our future. Will we focus on the past and say, we just want to go back to the way it used to be? Will we focus on the challenges and the obstacles in front of us? Or will we focus on God and the future that he has for us? I'm inviting us in this season to focus on God and all that he wants to do in and through our church in the days ahead. So Father, I pray for us today as a body of believers that you would give us sensitivity to hear your voice. Open our ears in this season to hear what you are saying to us. God, I pray that as we hear your voice, we'll have faith, faith to be strong and very courageous. And as we begin to step into the future that you have for us, would you bring us together 
people who have been here for just a few months to people who have been here for decades, people who are new to their faith journey, people who are veterans of the faith and everyone in between, would you bring us together as one body, one heart, one mind, one purpose? And would you use us to make a difference in Marion, Grant County, Indiana, North America, and to the ends of the earth? For your name, for your glory, for your cause. That's our prayer today. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Pastor Jared, come and give us some guidance.